0: I'm Tom Morello and this is Maximum Firepower. My guest today is the great Steve Van Zant of the E Street Band and of his great solo career, my longtime friend and road compatriot. Little Steven, (laughs) how are you today, sir? (laughs) Good, Tommy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So we're going to bore into a particular topic today, which was of great interest in me. It was one of the things that sort of helped define me as an artist and as an activist, which is your project, Artists United Against Apartheid, which was a record that came out in 1985, which was, I believe, the most diverse combination of artists perhaps ever on an album in the cause of uniting against the racist apartheid regime in South Africa. So just to start with, so just tell people, what was apartheid?
1: Well, it was a system of the government. It means separateness, I believe, in Afrikaans. You know, this minority population of white guys figured out we got like 26 million black people and we're like 3 million or whatever it was. And we might be in some political trouble here unless we do something about it. So they, just like Adolf Hitler, studied our Indian reservation policy and learned. Everybody learns from us. You know, We're we're the biggest influences in the world when it comes to this stuff. And they looked at our Indian reservation policy and said, ah, now how can we apply that to our world? So what they did was they decided to divide the country into the original tribal homelands, which really weren't being used. You know, out of all the countries in Africa where there was lots of tribal problems, there weren't any tribal problems in South Africa, you know. So they decided, let's relocate everybody, all the black people, back to their original homelands, which they never had seen before. Against their will. Turn those homelands into separate countries, then bring everybody back as immigrant labor. Okay, Because, you know, the black people were doing all the work, of course, in the mines. This very brilliant, evil, genius idea uh, they started to implement by using the Sun City Resort in one of these homelands called Baputuswana. As the first kind of uh you know they t- testing the waters, so to yeah. speak, so like a show so place,
0: they, a show place for the for Yes, the, yeah, they yeah. they
1: pretended to the world that Paputuswana was a separate country, so come to Pappututiwana, which is a big casino uh, and you know you won't be violating the boycott. keep in mind the u n boycott went in very early mm-hmm. like right after the u n was formed practically uh, there were already a boycott the sanctions in place. <laughs> And so they wanted to fool everybody, and they started paying artists a lot of money to come down and ostensibly play this separate country and give them credibility for this crazy idea. Yeah. So I couldn't quite figure out what was going on in South Africa, so I had to go down there. I went down there twice in 84, and eventually I came to the conclusion that this can't be reformed, it can't be fixed, it's got to be eliminated. And there was already a sports boycott in place, uh, very successful. You know, they couldn't participate in the Olympics. And the home run was going to be the economic boycott, which would eventually shut the government down. And in between was the bridge, which was the cultural boycott. I'm like, that's what we can do, you know. And so I just sat down one day and said, you know, how can I bring this government down? You know, And, and I figured out very methodically, we do this, we do that, we do that. You know, and eventually it, it, it'll fall, and that's what happened. Just to clarify, part of the policies of apartheid was not just you know creating
0: these fake homelands and then having them come back as immigrant labor. That just meant that they couldn't vote. They had oh, zero. Sorry, zero, <laughs> yes. they know, I was just saying they had, they had zero political. <laughs> There was horrible repression. There was torture. I mean, it was like it was like a like a super militaristic, fascist, you know, racist regime that was brutalizing totally. the population and robbing them yeah. of all of their political rights. Yeah, and, and at yeah, the same yeah. time, kind of like here's this sort of shining example of how we coexist with the blacks, with the Sun City and these global artists are coming and they're playing. And so you see, everything's really fine here. It, right, really, right. it, it really helped as propaganda in places like the United States to see, you know, artists play. There And so when you spearheaded the cultural boycott, which was being called for by Bishop Desmond Tutu, who was like the Martin Luther King figure of South Africa, calling for the boycott of the country to include a cultural one, then you came with this record. Now, tell me a little bit about like, because, you know, I was radicalized at a pretty early age. And when I first learned about apartheid, I knew about apartheid. But for me, it was Peter Gabriel's song Biko, which was the one mm. that really made it personal. I came out in 1980, I think. So much so that they were actually thinking of instituting the draft at the time in the United States, reinstituting the draft because there were these conflicts in Central America in El Salvador and potentially in of. Nicaragua, where we 17, 18-year-olds might have to go to war. I wrote a letter to Umcanto Sizwe which is Spear of the Nation, the ANC's military wing, and it volunteered service. I was like, if I'm going to have to go fight at 18 somewhere, it sure as hell isn't going to be against the Sandinistas, you know, who are, like just trying to help poor people, farmers, like I'll go down there and like whatever. And I didn't, I didn't receive a reply, but I was so wound up about the issue of apartheid. And then this record wow. came. This was a time where there were all of like the, we are the worlds and do they know it's Christmas? These huge celebrity, like the biggest stars in the world would gather because of a famine that was going on in Ethiopia. And there were these charity events. They were sort of feel good events, but they were putting, you know, artists putting their work to good cause to raise money for a particular cause. This record was different. This record was, this was a song about change, not about charity. It was about freedom, not about famine. And so tell me about how the song Sun City and that particular record came together.
1: Basically, I was down there writing my third album, Freedom No Compromise, and this was going to be just another song on the album, and I was looking at Ethiopia also, only I was looking at them, and I started to write a song called Hunger that was about how corrupt the Ethiopian government was, and that's why people were starving, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way I think, you know, I don't mm-hmm. believe in natural disasters, mm-hmm. you know, I believe strictly in political disasters. Yeah. But then when Geldof, you know, did his thing, I said, well, that's that subject is covered. And, and, you know, he did it the smart way, you know, being very kind of neutral, you know, hoping to get some of the money to the right yep. people. You yep. know, yep. God knows how much was, you know, siphoned off, yep. whatever. But he did the right thing. And, and you know, I decide I'm just going to I'm just going to try and get one artist from every genre on the record. Not going to be easy because the difference between social music, which is what those were, you know, feeding people and political music is. I'm gonna tell you what's wrong. I'm gonna tell you why it's wrong. I'm gonna tell you whose fault it is. I'm gonna point the finger at them and I'm gonna name the name. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. And we're gonna do something about it. Yeah, you know, that yeah. that's political music, you know? Yeah. It's different uh, I'm fam- than, than social music. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's artistically challenging as as nobody knows better than you. You know, and 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 they complement each other. I'm I'm not saying one's better than the other or yeah. more important than the yeah. other, but but you know, I need results. I'm I'm a results oriented person. You know, I don't have the patience to wait around and, you know, and hope something happens anyway. So it took some courage because we named Ronald Reagan in the song, okay, which already was like a freaky thing to do at the time. I can't even tell people who weren't there how popular he was. He was unbelievable. You know, people had to take a chance to be on the record and they didn't know much about the issue. The, The issue was not in the headlines, okay. Yeah, it wasn't I mean, a front, it was it wasn't not, a front you know, page
0: issue. Yeah, it wasn't no, front page. No. Yeah. I mean,
1: you had poor, you know, Randall Robinson, you know, with twelve people with with signs in front of mm-hmm, Exxon mm-hmm, in the rain. Mm-hmm. I was like, felt so bad for these guys,
0: you know. And at, um, and at, the, so, and at and it, the time, and at the time, Ronald Reagan was identifying Nelson Mandela and his political organization as a terrorist organization.
1: Yeah, and a <laughs> communist because you know, yeah, uh, saying you know the, the money's coming from the Soviet Union, yeah, you know. Yeah. So um we had to convince people. We I had to explain. To every artist, basically, what was going on, you know. Then yep. the, I was mostly interested in, in in getting rap on the record because yeah. uh, rap was not cool at the time, and the industry right. was trying to squelch it and trying yep. to ignore it. Yep. And I felt very strongly about rap in the early days. I felt, you know, watching, you know, Marvin Gaye have to fight with Barry Gordy to get what's going on out, yep. and and Stevie Wonder had to fight for it. And of course, you know, Miles Davis fighting his whole life just mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this was the first opportunity I, ha- I had ever seen where black people were being encouraged to express themselves. Yeah. I mean, which was the opposite of, you know I, know, I know people find it's hard to believe how different things were back then. But white artists were expected to express yourse- ourselves. You know, that was part of the artistic demand, you know. Yeah. And the opposite was true for black artists. They were not allowed to express themselves. Now, that sounds weird right now, but I'm telling you, that's the truth. So, so here comes these rappers. I'm like, man, that finally, you know, black people get a chance to express themselves. I got to support this, you know, and people were asking me, why are you putting them on the record? You know, you're putting Melly Mel next to, you know, David Ruffin and Jackson Brown. And, you know, and I'm like, yes, I am. I want to make a point here of, you know, that this, this is a new hybrid of our art form that needs to be encouraged, you know?
0: So tell me who's on it because I when I first when I saw the video it blew my mind because while I I was a fan of the we are the world stuff because it's nice to see at the time the biggest stars in the world all standing in one room Mm. on your record it was like some of my heroes were all standing in one room (laughs) you know from Run DMC to Michael Monroe like to I think Joey Ramone's in it as well right so tell to, to the best of your memory recount. Like, on the song, Sun City is it an, an incredible amalgamation of artists of varying yeah, genres.
1: Yeah, the, the, I decided early on that I wasn't going to just go for the biggest artist. Yeah. I, I wanted to I wanted to use choose artists that had said something with their work, you know, yeah, or had some relation to the issue or something like that, you know? So a lot of them became bigger later. For instance, we introduced Peter Garrett to the world before yep. Midnight Oil broke, you yep. know? Like you said, Michael Monroe, Steve Baders is on, uh, yes, Joey yeah. Ramone. Lou Reed, who, ha- who didn't do very many things, you know. Yeah. He was a very unusual guy to see there. Ruben Blades and, yes. and Ray Barretto, you know, yep. representing Salsa. You know, we wanted that yes. represented. Yes, 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 I, yes. I had uh, Jimmy Cliff and yep. Big Youth. Of course, David Ruffin and, and, and Eddie Kendricks from The Temptations, you know, my, mm-hmm. my heroes. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown, Bonnie Raitt, Darlene Love, Nona Hendrix. Nona Hendrix, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of Bobby Womack. Yes, uh, Run, DMC, yeah, Bono, and, yeah. Bono, Bono, Run DMC, Bono, Run uh, DMC, Bono and
0: Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, you know, and it, Bruce it, it, Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: Run DMC and, and uh, Millie Mel and Scorpio, and uh, it was quite a range of people. That, that again, half of that was came from Arthur Baker's phone book. Thank, right, thank right, right, you know, right. Uh, you know, but it's well, so, while but, it
0: may have, may have come from Arthur Baker's phone book. The curation of the idea of it. It resounded and it was so much different than the the other things. And it really felt like this is an activist oriented song for an important like you said, like it's an issue to try to change that we're not we're not just feeding people, which is a noble cause and it should be done. It was about upending a racist system and how artists yeah. could play a role. And so specifically, because I remember reading about this at the time the subject of the song and the subject of the boycott was that artists were going to vow to boycott playing sun city, despite the huge check, despite this, that, and the other. And so that was, it was a statement both to the South African government and it was a message to the audience of each of those artists, fans who were drawn to this song. So, Oh, what, you know, Michael Monroe's in there or whatever, that this is an issue that one of my favorite artists is involved in. And it, it deserves my attention. And there was a real fevered pitch at that time. I was, I'm not sure what time of the year the song came out, but it came out in 85. But I graduated from college in 86 and Harvard. There was a big divestment movement at Harvard. Harvard University was doing business in corporations that were doing business in South Africa. So the students on campus were trying to leverage the university into divesting from these corporations so that there would not be a financial umbilical cord between. Very, very cool. Very uh, cool. uh,
1: That movement was important, though, that you see, that was, was, you know, that would become important because. In the end, it was the congressman's kids yes. that came to the congressman. OK, yes. Yeah. When, I, when, mm. I, when I when I spoke at the Senate, they couldn't find it on the map, Yes. which was really scary. Yeah. You mm. know, in, in spite of the name of the place, you know, yeah. give a little hint. South, yeah. South Africa. Africa. <laughs> know, <you laughs> where, where could that possibly know. be? Where could that possibly be? I'm <laughs> telling you that that's that was the extent of the knowledge. It was like, you know, so we got to the parents through the kids. Yeah that's the only way we were able yeah. to uh, overturn that the veto when the yeah. veto came you know yeah. so let me so so the divestment movement's going on at Harvard
0: and I'm involved in it and the graduation ceremony is coming up in 80s and that's where a lot of the alumni come and donors come and it's a big moment for the university so we built a shanty town in Harvard yard <laughs> to shame the <laughs> university like when all of these donors were going to show up they were going to see uh <laughs> horrid, I love it. squalid mess, you know, and have to ask some questions. At the end of the day, during my tenure there, the university did not divest, and it was a real, like, blot on, <laughs> wow. on, from my point of view. I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. I'm here with my guest, Steve Van Zant, Little Steven of the E Street Band, as we discuss artists against apartheid. And his great song, Sun City, that helped dethrone the apartheid regime in South Africa. So then cut to, we are playing in South Africa in 2014. (laughs) And I believe we opened the Cape Town show with a song called Sun City. What was that moment like for you? Because, I I mean, it it was...
1: Completely surreal. You know, it really was. You know, I realized, you know, we wouldn't be there if if not for that song. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Simple as that. Exactly. (laughs) You know? Exactly. And, uh, you know... I got a chance to meet with the ANC guys, you know, and they told me a story which I nobody nobody knows, which is uh they thanked me, you know, again, you know, thank you for getting him out when you did. They said because the last year of his life in jail, they were chopping up drugs, you know, LSD and stuff and putting it in his food, trying to destroy his brain so that if they had to let him out, you know, that he would be kind of docile and, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. So they said uh, another year of that I mean, would apartheid have eventually fallen? Most mm-hmm. likely, you know, mm-hmm. but we certainly knocked a, a year or two off of the at least, you know, absolutely. And, and, and would Mandela have survived? Because without yeah. Mandela, man, oh man, it would have been the biggest bloodbath in history. Yeah, you know, yeah, because of what you said. I mean, they're killing people in jail. They're torturing people. It was just a horrible, horrible situation down there, and uh, and you know, and, and Mandela comes out and. And he was like Gandhi, man, he, yeah. you know, he turned into like, so, you know, yeah, well, it was wonderful. It was wonderful I, to see, you know, one of the thrills of my life, seeing him walk out of jail, man. That was incredible. absolutely incredible. And, uh, you know. and
0: I mean, and I think the, the, the example of the fault, like, you know, growing up things like the Berlin wall, things like apartheid, they, they felt to me as a young person, like they were going to be there forever. You know, like they—that's like mm. that something that is ingrained. That's something that you. People are fighting. People are dying to change it, and they're not the government. Which you know, like at the time, it's Reagan. There's this kind of omnipresent power that is keeping the good thing from happening. That there's no yeah, chance true. that the good thing's going to happen. But it did, and it changed. And the reason why it changed is through the efforts of both. Freedom fighters like Nelson Mandela and Steve Biko and artists coming together. But the majority of the work of the reason why I change is people whose names do not appear in history books. It's people who did the grassroots work and who suffered and died and fought and struggled and put out pamphlets and things like that. That you, via that song, and me, via Harvard Yard, were able to put a little bit of wind in the sails of those people. And the takeaway lesson, I think, from apartheid for people in 2021 is that aim for the world you really want. Without compromise, without apology and stand where like you're a musician, you know, like so you made a song, right? If you're a carpenter, maybe it's via the Carpenters Union, whatever it is, like stand where you live and don't leave behind your convictions in your vocation. And that, I think, is one of the biggest lessons of this song.
1: Yeah, just, you know, but do your homework, you know, make sure you do your homework because don't don't trust any one source of information too. I think, I think, you know, that's probably good advice these days, you know, do as much research as you can on any subject and, you know, make up your own mind about it. I mean, I couldn't figure it out from what I was reading. I had to go there and talk to people, you know, yeah, and it was, it was illegal for them to tell me they're in favor of the boycott illegal. Yes. You go to jail. Yes. Yes. And luckily, you know, my rock and roll uh, persona here paid off uh, because they figured, you know, the government's kind of sneaky, but they ain't this sneaky, you know, I mean, <laughs> nobody, you know, there, know, there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no counterintelligence agency that would have come up with that. <laughs> That's right. So, 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 so they're being real honest with me, you know, cause I, cause I said that boycott's a very tricky business, very yeah. tricky business, you know, you know, one solution does not fit at all. And, and I said to them, I said, listen, man, you know, boycott's going to hurt you, you know, yeah, you know, that you know, usually hurts the people more than the, the government, you know, in mm-hmm. most cases, you know, and, you know, which is why I'm so I'm always pissed off at the Cuban right wing in Miami, you know, same reason, you know, you know, they think they're, they're hurting Castro, you know, by not normalizing relations with Cuba, you know, it's fucking stupid, man, you know, pisses me off. A- anyway, you know, and I, they they would one person after the other said, we don't care, man. We don't care if it hurts us more. We we can't be in more pain than we're in. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We can, we yeah. can't be suffering anymore. So yeah. bring it, bring it. Bring, you know, and I mean, one person after the other. You know, the unions I talked to, I talked to religious people, every, everybody. I talked talk to Tutu, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they had to be careful. Some some people had to be a little bit careful how they worded it. But um, and and they were was somewhat mixed feelings. Some people I respected, yeah. Like Johnny Clegg, you know Johnny Clegg and Jaluca, terrific artist, man, cool cat. Uh, we lost him recently. One of the great Zulu albums of all time is, 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 is his uh, album with Chaluka. And, you know, and he wanted his music to, you know, to travel the world. And, and you know, and, he, you know, so he was kind of he had mixed feelings about yeah. it. And, yeah. uh, you know, so so, you know, it was it was not an easy subject to, to make a decision on. But but uh, in the end, I was like, no, this is this the is only one way, you know, it's only one way to do this. You know, we yeah. got to go all the way, you know.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's a great record and had a had a definite impact on you know that changed the meter of world history in a way. I don't know if I share this story, but when we were in South Africa, one of the things I was very moved by when I was becoming politicized in part by apartheid was the student massacre in Soweto, where there it was Mm. the African kids didn't want to have to learn Afrikaans, the Dutch language. They wanted to be able to learn their own language, and particularly they had the their own national anthem. Uh, I forget the name of it. But anyway, so these kids with the the impetus for the massacre, what was illegal for the kids to do was to sing this song. They couldn't sing Mm. the the African national anthem. You you weren't allowed to raise your fist. It was all this bullshit. So anyway, so I went with my kids to the spot where that massacre happened. And we had the we had our cab driver teach us the song. And we wow. sang it, and we sang it in that spot with our fist raised, where, the nice. where the kids had sung it before. And it was like a real, like I was th- very thankful to Bruce and the East Street Band for having me along because it was like this really meaningful moment from this uh-huh. being the issue that really made me wanted to go somewhere in the world to like fight for something that I believed in to having, you know, now it's a nice school, it's a school and the kids are there and they're playing and you can walk from there to Nelson Mandela's house, you know, now. And so it was a, uh, and, but stand, nice. stand, standing on the stage with the interracial E Street Band's, you know, in a soccer stadium with an interracial audience enjoying the song "Sun City" in a free South Africa was really a pretty big career highlight for me, and and I know for people, it certainly was for <laughs> me too. It, it was meaningful, meaningful moment for the people in the stadium, and I know for everybody on stage too. So anyway, that's yeah, me too, me too. Okay, any final words on the Sun City project?
1: No, Wait. other than, other than uh, you know. Uh, I wish we were making a little bit more progress here, to be honest, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't go I didn't go down there with any attitude of superiority, I tell you that. Yeah. Being very conscious of the fact that our civil rights legislation was only twenty years earlier. Yes. You know. Yeah. You know. So so, you know, I had no kind of attitude like we're better than you. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just disgusted every single day in our country that, you know, it's been four hundred years and two hundred years since our constitution. Yeah. And man, you know. I, I don't know how progress could be any slower. You know, it's yeah. just a, it's an embarrassment every single day. And uh, yeah. I, hope, I hope this last four years, I hope something good comes out of it. It was such an extraordinary, profound nightmare mm-hmm. that I keep thinking maybe we had to go to that extreme, you know, to realize the obvious, which is we were founded as a white supremacist Christian nationalist country. Okay, that's that you know with an asterisk, and yeah. the asterisk said, well, some of the cats feel guilty about it, yeah you know you <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but but but, yeah. but that's the yeah. truth okay? yeah. We, yeah we that that's our country the you know a white supremacist Christian nationalist country, mm-hmm. and we've been trying to fix that ever since, yeah. you know and, and man, you know, I hope now maybe maybe now, finally, you know maybe you know yeah. We, we're gonna try and fix this stuff in, in in a in an institutional way because that's where it has to change, man. it, yeah. ain't, it ain't about education, the reforms, or none of that stuff, man. You know, yeah. I look at things like the big picture, and we gotta like we gotta spend the next five ten years. And I'm a big supporter of law enforcement. Okay, nobody, nobody. I get the biggest law enforcement fundraiser in the country. Okay, we gotta spend the next five ten years. You know, getting rid of the white supremacists out of law enforcement and out of our military. I mean, it's going to take that kind of commitment, I think, before we start to change the institutions, you know, that we all depend on. You know, because, you know, I know a million great cops, you know, but all it takes is a couple to, you know, do it. We're seeing on TV every day. And so, you know, I'm just hoping that we finally start to, you know, Turn this ship around, man, because the the progress just could not be any more embarrassingly slower. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the lessons of the of I think you, you pointed out that it was it's really in the DNA of this country and the way that it was in the DNA of colonial South Africa. You know, it's demanding liberty while embracing white supremacy. That's the cornerstone right there. You know, and uh, yeah, and, and until yeah. at least at least at least you stare it in the eye, you can't you can't uh, stand right. up against you know, it. And,
1: yeah. You know, and you know, and as embarrassing as it might be, we have to just admit it. Yes, yeah. we were founded yeah. as a white supremacist country. <laughs> yeah. Damn right. Yes, we were, you know. Yeah. And yeah. now we got to, we got to, we luckily we had, you know, the, the geniuses of some of those founding fathers putting in, you know, all men are created equal and, and these little, little, yeah. little hints of things <laughs> to come, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. They know it was there. It was hidden in yeah. our constitution, you know, but now we got to make that stuff come alive and, and, yeah. and you know. It's time, man. It's time. Now it is now. It's, now. it's, well, not it's tomorrow, well past time.
0: Now. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh well, little Steven, thank you very much. Steven's and it is it is one, it's so great to just see you, man. We, I run into Steven's from time to time in different sort of crazy corners of the world, and we always have a, a nice dinner out or, or see each other at <laughs> each other's shows. But I hope, you know, I hope in the not too distant future to see you on a stage somewhere rocking me because yeah, I, yeah, I, I, miss, yeah, I miss I yeah, miss that yeah. very much. So you too, man. You too. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Thank you very much. Take it easy. But take it. Let
1: foes of justice tremble.
0: This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM
1: app. Search Maximum Firepower.